Hello, everybody, and welcome back to I'm Not the Book Expert, but she is. I am Rachel, one of your two co-hosts today. And I'm Maggie, the other co-host today, and most every day, I would hope. I hope so. That would be very awkward if mm-hmm. we weren't the two co-hosts. Of the of the podcast that we co-host? Created together. Created together. I'm more, I'm more thinking about the possibility of, like, my sister one day joining us for one of our episodes or something. Mm-hmm. So, well, obviously can- not replacing either of us. Mm-hmm. But as a unless, guest host. Unless Rachel decides she doesn't like me anymore, in which case she could replace me. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rachel, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the 2021 Goodreads Choice Awards. And oh boy, do we have lots to say. I have so many things to say. <laughs> Just to give our audience a bit of a rundown of how we're going to do this, we are going to um, announce each category and who won. However, we don't necessarily have an opinion about every single category, either because we didn't read too much from that category or we just genuinely don't care about the category that much. That sounds so much harsher than I actually mean it, but we're rocking with it today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like some categories we just don't have an opinion on for better or for worse. So. And neither of us are the book expert in that case. So we kind of just decided that we would let it go and not pretend that we know what we're talking about, at least this time. (laughs) But do we have some opinions about oh, some of the do. other categories? Oh, we do. <laughs> and it's, just for, it's all good. Yeah. I was just going to say, for those who aren't familiar with the Goodreads Choice Awards, so the popular um, reading social media website, would you, I guess you'd call it, um, Goodreads, which is owned by Amazon, in case anyone didn't know that. Um, so every year they run a Goodreads Choice Awards, where they take books that were published over the course of the last year. You can, there's, I think there's open nominations, right? Yep. Any book can be nominated for different categories. Then you go through a couple of rounds until you get to the finalists. And then finally, the winners are selected in each category. It is, as far as I'm aware, go ahead. I was just going to say for this year, the opening round was from November 16th to the 28th with the final round when everybody got to vote on the nominated lists was from November 30th to December 5th and announcement or the winners were announced on the 9th of December. Yeah. So this has been out for a while, but we wanted to kind of talk about the winners and the nominees and what we think should have won instead where we have Mm -hmm. opinions. Um, (laughs) And as far as I know, and if I'm wrong, somebody should correct me on this, but as far as I know, this is the only like quote unquote major book award that's voted by popular vote, basically. So like most things like I am blanking on all of the names of all of the book awards now. (laughs) I can tell you that the state of Maryland, I think children's awards are the black eyed Susans. Okay. Well, that doesn't really help me in this particular scenario. I think it's like children's literature. So that includes like young adult literature and all of that. So all of the libraries that I have ever attended, because I, you know, 
grew up in the state of Maryland for the most part had a black eyed Susan display year round. So mm-hmm. I got that one, Maggie. Okay. Well, at least we have that one. As, anyway, I was just going to say like compared to other awards that I can't think of off the top of my head, most of those tend to be voted on by more of a committee or like an organization rather than just by like anyone, you know, and their cousin on the internet, basically. So that's what kind of sets the Goodreads Choice Awards apart. Um, It also kind of leads to some things that we will certainly discuss shortly. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And some concerning, some concerns that we have with some of the trends that we see in the Goodreads Choice Awards. And by trends, uh, we do mean that we looked back all the way to 2011 to see who won certain categories. Yes, you can go back. Actually, if you go to the Goodreads like Choice Awards on their website, you can look at all of the winners up through, I guess, when they started in 2011. I don't know if there were any before that, but they go back as far as 2011, which was 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. which is a terrifying thought if you ask me, but I digress. Yeah, it was weird seeing the books that won while I was still in high school. Yes, that, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (sighs) But are we ready to get started, Maggie? I think we are ready to get started. Do you want to just run us through the first category? Sure, since it's it's pretty easy and we're not really going to talk about this one. Yeah. So the first category for the Goodreads Choice Awards was fantasy. Or wow, I'm so wrong. Was you are fiction. jumping so far ahead. <laughs> we'll get to fantasy. I decided in a to jump four categories. No, we are in <laughs> fiction, just general fiction. And beautiful world, where are you? By Sally Rooney. One, I don't have an objection to that. I didn't read it, nor did I read any other books in that category. Yeah, I'm not really a, um, I mean, this is just a personal preference for me. I'm not really a general fiction kind of reader. I'll read one every so often, but it's not really my go-to genre. So I didn't read a lot of, I didn't read any of the books that were finalists or even nominated in this category. And I don't know anything about Sally Rooney. So I was just kind of like, sure, this is what it is. I'll leave the opinions to someone who is more knowledgeable about the subject. I didn't even have any of the books on my TBR until I looked at the nominees and then I put one of them on my TBR because I liked the cover. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's an, that's as good a reason as any. Indeed. <laughs> so the second category is mystery and thriller. The winner was The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. Um, and Rachel, I know you read a lot of mysteries and thrillers, so... Tell me what you thought about this category. I was not entirely disappointed by who won. It was definitely a book that was on my TBR, but just like the last one, I hadn't read any of these novels, mostly because as we alluded to earlier in the podcast, I was definitely playing catch up in my reading this year because I kind of stopped reading for a while and then we picked it up. So I was not disappointed by the winner. It's definitely a book on my TBR and I had a couple other on my TBR, Um, The Maidens being one, Arsenic and Adobo being another. And I'm just really looking forward to actually reading those books this year. Yeah, I I think the one that caught my eye when I was skimming the the finalists for this category was The Maidens. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason why is a little bit complicated. It looks interesting enough. 
Um, again, I also just don't read a lot of, I guess what you would consider a thriller. Um, I like a good mystery, but I don't necessarily, there's a line that I would draw between mystery and thriller, but I don't know where I would draw that line necessarily. I feel like people like to argue that all mysteries are thrillers, but not all thrillers are mysteries. Mm -hmm. But even then there are some mysteries that I do not think fit under the thriller category. And I would want those to be two different categories. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. But there definitely seem to be some really interesting books in this category, including the one that eventually won. So Mm -hmm. maybe if I Um, feel like branching out in the near future. I definitely saw this book highly publicized in my local Barnes and Noble. Huh. Mm -hmm. So did we actually say who won? The last thing he told me by Laura Day. Yes, I did mention that. Okay. I couldn't remember. Um, but are we ready to move on to historical fiction, which we also are not going to talk a lot about? Yeah. Why don't you just tell me about historical fiction real quick? We'll take turns. So historical fiction, what one was Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I really don't have a ton of opinions on it. I think I would have picked The Last Apothecary, but I also haven't read that. It was the only one on my TBR before I looked at the nominees, though. Hmm. Yeah, I briefly mentioned when I looked at the nominees, now I can't find it again. That's great. Um, Yeah, when I looked at the nominees, I was kind of interested in The Personal Librarian by Marie Benedict, but that was only Mm -hmm. because I think I had seen maybe one person on my like friends list feed thing add it as a to read book. And I was like, huh librarians I'm interested in libraries (laughs) and that was kind of the extent of that but yeah I I like historical fiction but none of the titles on this really caught my eye I think I would like the dictionary of lost words and hour of the witch just because those are two books that very much fall under my aesthetic but I Mm -hmm. again have been playing catch up so I'm working towards yeah. my 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 20 20s books mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and Taylor Jenkins Reid who wrote the winning book in this category I just realized this I don't know why I didn't pick up on this when we were like making the notes about this but um they wrote the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo which like everyone I've know who everyone that I know who has read that book has really liked it so it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily surprise me that the author won that category again because that is another like historical fiction type thing so Mm -hmm. yeah that that one is the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo is actually on my TBR but I've never gotten to it yet I have no foundation for this Mm -hmm. so I'm just going off of vibes okay but the vibes of the seven husbands, seven, whatever, Evelyn Hugo and mm-hmm. Addie LaRue. I haven't read either of them, but they give me very, very similar vibes. Interesting. I don't know why. So don't ask me why they just do. <laughs> I've only read the invisible life of Addie LaRue. So I cannot say for certain, but if I ever get around to reading Evelyn Hugo, I will let you know if it's, if it's a founded if your um, 
If your assumptions are grounded, there we go. If my vibe check is correct. (laughs) If you've passed the vibe check. Okay. So up, up to this point, we've been pretty pretty jovial about our conversation. Uh, but Maggie, would you like to introduce fantasy for us? All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is out there, buckle your seatbelts, because we're going to talk about the fantasy category now. And <sighs> I'm sure it's a big shock to everybody that the winner of the fantasy category was A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. And I just want to tell you that the day that the final votes were going out, um, I said, if, if Sarah J. Mass wins the fantasy category, I will probably scream. And then sure enough, the next day I go to check all the results and sure enough, there she is. And it took every ounce of my willpower not to go out and commit a crime. And I would just like to say that she won by almost double the runner up and had almost 25% of the votes. Yes. And the runner-up, just like for, for discussion's sake, the runner-up was Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Clune, I guess you would say. Is that how you say it? I name? think so. Yeah. He also um, wrote The House on the Cerulean Sea. Yes. And so like I have heard a lot of people talk about his books. And so it kind of, I don't not want to say it necessarily surprised me, but I was a little surprised at how I was a little caught off guard by how much of a margin a quarter of silver flames won this category. Agreed. I just want to say that I had a lot of these books on my TBR mm-hmm. and I know I remember which one I voted for because it was the one book that I read this year on this list and it was Hannah Witten's for the wolf and mm-hmm. I know we talked about this in the last episode yes, because I love this book so much um but I was so disappointed to see that it only got 5,000 votes because I it so deserves more than that mm-hmm. I kind of wonder just thinking of for the wolf for a second because that book went straight to paperback didn't it correct there is a small part of me that wonders it did not get a a lot of push at least from what I saw in like the book community and I wonder if part of that was because it didn't come out in hardback I personally I love paperbacks but I also feel like that with the way that like bookstagram and book talk work everyone wants to have like their fancy schmancy hardcovers to show off on camera And I wonder if this book just didn't catch people's eye as much, even though the cover is absolutely gorgeous. It's gorgeous. uh, I love the cover. Um, That's actually part of the reason I picked it up was because I liked the cover so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was actually pushed kind of heavily at my Barnes and Noble. Really? Um, Yeah, they had a whole display up for for, for the wolf. wolf. (laughs) (laughs) For about a month. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised, like from when it debuted in the early, like early weeks of June. Mm-hmm. And then I picked it up at the end of June and it was still on display. Interesting. Yeah. I, you must go to a cooler Barnes and Noble than I do because I've never, I had never heard of that book until you mentioned it to me earlier this year. Until I forced you to read it. Yes. Well, and that worked <laughs> out just fine. So it's all good. But there were so many titles on this list that I had on my TBR. So I have mm-hmm. Under the Whispering Door, She Who Became the Sun, Ariadne, The Last Graduate, The Witch's Heart, 
the Jasmine Throne, which is one of my current reads, mm-hmm. and The Wolf and the Woodsman. I was like, like, what's The Wolf and the Woodsman? I just found it. There we go. I do. I have seen this bottom room. before. <laughs> but like, of course it had to be Sarah J. Mass. And she has yeah. won a lot of Goodreads Awards. It actually says on the Goodreads Choice Awards um, site here, it says, <sighs> see if I can read this sentence without throwing up in my mouth. Um, it says prolific author Sarah J. Mass notches her sixth Goodreads Choice Awards prize with this fourth installment in the insanely popular series A Court of Thorns and Roses. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> they're really sucking up to her with that sentence there. Good heavens. <laughs> I I suppose I should give the caveat like. I have not read any of the Akatar series. I do not plan to read any of the Akatar series for various reasons. So maybe I should not be so judgmental of books that I haven't read, but I also am really exhausted by Sorry, I needed to think there for a second. I I know where this thought is going. I just don't have the right words. I'm really exhausted by how this series in particular keeps getting held up as some like major cornerstone of fantasy fiction when there Mm -hmm. are so many other much more groundbreaking and much more, in my personal opinion, interesting titles out there, including the other finalists for this category this year I just feel like this is nothing about this series catches my attention I did read Throne of Glass by Sarah J Mass several years ago and it did not appeal to me I I finished it I was like what was the freaking point (laughs) do you know where your copy of that book went Maggie where did it go to my library oh that's right I I thought I I thought you were gonna say that you sold it and I was like good riddance I did give Rachel my (laughs) copy of the book because I was gonna get rid of it and she was like well I'll take it well okay I for the most part whenever there's an author that I don't like just surface level I want to read at least one of their books so I can tear them apart accurately and I think that's fair and Maggie and I were talking about this earlier before, like before we went we on the recording. record. <laughs> and I said, I want my students to know that when I am frustrated with an author or when I want to dismantle somebody's argument, I will, I will do the work, right? I will do the work and I will tear you apart brick by brick. <laughs> Very Kev Brecker of you. Yes, because I do not want you to be able to stand on any bridge. I will destroy it. Mm -hmm. So I'm working that way with a couple of authors right now. Yeah. JK Rowling. (laughs) (laughs) Not to invoke her name or anything, but. uh... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I will say the main reason I don't want to read Agatar is just because I don't really like they okay, so they tell me that Agatar isn't as spicy as other spicy books. I'm using air quotes here, but I also just don't want to read any spicy books. Okay, I th- this has no appeal to me. Fine if you like it, not my business. I don't want to read it. 
that actually kind of leads in really well to our next category. Oh, does it? Wait, I wanted to say something else here. <laughs> okay, then finish up your thing and then we'll Can, we'll can I finish my thought? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I was surprised that, so I also really liked For the Wolf. I think that would have been a good winner. I was very surprised that She Who Became the Sun did not rank higher. I actually did listen to this one on audiobook a couple of weeks ago. I don't know when that was. Might have been earlier this month, actually. <laughs> Time doesn't exist in December, in case you were wondering. So I read She Who Became the Sun, and personally, it wasn't my kind of book, just because it was very literary and very lyrical. But it was for those reasons that I was like, surely this book will win some kind of award. I mean, it kept getting marketed as like Mulan meets the Song of Achilles. And I was like, that is right up like all of it. Like if you've ever been on fantasy book talk or bookstagram, like that is up everybody's alley. Everyone loves talking about the Song of Achilles, how beautifully it's written and like the characters and everything. So I was like, surely this will rank higher. It got fourth place which isn't bad, but I was just, I, I was kind of shocked. I wish I it had ranked higher, but I'm not surprised based on who came before she who became the sun because it's Sarah J. Mass and Jennifer L. Armentrout mm-hmm. and then okay. PJ Clune. So I'm, you have okay. two big popular fantasy authors Mm -hmm. and then another one that also I think deserved to be higher so like I'm not exactly surprised okay yeah I guess surprised might be the wrong word I guess maybe I'm just more disappointed I'm not I'm not surprised I'm I'm just just disappointed exactly because I mean the Goodreads Choice Awards is just a popularity contest Con- oh, 100%. There we go. I mean, it's like it's like voting for prom queen or whatever. I don't know. I didn't go to public school. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Um but it's like of it's course just, the pop- it, it's voting, right? Of the, course popular the popular vote is going to win. Yeah. So like yeah, I'm not surprised, but I'm also disappointed. But we can talk more about that when we've gone through some more categories. Yes. Sorry, that um, was my that was my tangent on the tangent about um things. So Rachel, do you want to talk about our next category? Sure. So for a not as great transition, we have <laughs> since I ruined it. <laughs> we have the best romances for this year. And we had a really close first and second, but what ultimately won was People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. What came in second place was the love hypothesis, and it lost by less than 600 votes. Wait, I did not know that. Hold on. Holy yeah, cow. I'm, I am so surprised because that book is so big on, on book talk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I was really surprised by that. Um, I was also surprised that It Happened One Summer was not ranked higher. Mm. Um just because I've seen that all over book talk as well. I have not read any, have, mm, let's try that again. I have not, (laughs) I have not read any of these romances, 
But if I had to pick one, I probably would have picked the love hypothesis just because it was so popular or act your age or wow, I am struggling today, Maggie, act your age, Eve Brown. This is a tangent, but speaking of us struggling earlier, I think I should mention um, (laughs) Rachel may or may not have spilled something before we started recording. We're both on the struggle bus today. Indeed. At Um, least we're on the same bus. (laughs) At least we're on the same bus. I actually, I said, hopefully we're on the same bus earlier. We might not be. Who knows at this point? Uh, But yeah, I wish that the love hypothesis or even the X-Hex or Neon Gods had won um, just because I saw those all over and I didn't see as much of the people we meet on vacation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I've already expressed that my opinions on this category are minimal at best. (laughs) But I do think, I think it makes sense that the love hypothesis did like get so close to winning because I did see that book everywhere. And I couldn't figure out why, because again, I did not care. Um, in the mo- I mean that in the kindest way possible. I did not have an opinion. I'm a little surprised that One Last Stop by Casey McQuinston didn't rank higher because everyone, I felt like I heard everyone talking about it, especially with how well um, the other book by McQuinston is red, white, and royal blue, which I feel like everybody on the internet loves. Again, I have no plans to read it anytime soon, but. Can I give a another unfounded observation? Sure. One Last Stop is a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. whereas the ones in front of it are all heterosexual relationships. You know what? That's a really good point. So I'm not surprised that it did not win or even come in first or second for the record it came in third yeah but it was which is not bad but it was like thirty thousand votes less than Mm -hmm. the love hypothesis which was right in front of it Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure when we were looking back through the other categories earlier i'm pretty sure red white and royal blue won some other year i thought i saw maybe maybe i hallucinated it i think it was nominated but i do not think that it won okay well, I'm just losing my mind, so that's fine. <laughs> that's 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 all of my opinions oh, on the romance no, category. It did win. It oh. won in 2019. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Well, again, I'm somebody... still not surprised though. Yeah, I yeah. I guess I'm less surprised. I guess I'd say I'm more surprised by the margin by which it lost than the fact that it didn't win i can agree with that yeah anyway this concludes i think this concludes our discussion of the romance category yes maggie would you like to introduce our next category because this is when i'm going off on a tangent rachel has an opinion about this category no it's not an opinion it's a story rachel has a story about this category so the next category is science fiction um where I I totally lost the tab I was in hold on (laughs) so the next category is science fiction which the winner was um Project Hail Mary by Andy I can never say his name right Andy were Andy wire weir I have no idea the guy who wrote the Martian (laughs) (laughs) I I have no issues with this winning I think that I 
voted for the Star Wars High Republic, um, Light of the Jedi, just because I like Star Wars, but I don't like to read sci-fi. Yeah, so this, I, I don't really like name. to read, like, a lot. I like sci-fi-ish stories, and I I think I, I find sci-fi in particular hard to read. I will watch yes. other sci-fi media. I also don't know if I would consider Star Wars to be sci-fi, but that's a different conversation. Okay. I, <laughs> like, it's, it's more fantasy than science fiction, I feel like. It's just in space. Okay. <laughs> Usually the distinction between fantasy and sci-fi from the publishing side, from what mm-hmm. I've read, is that science fiction still takes place in our universe, whereas fantasy does not. Huh. So Star Wars is technically still in our universe based on the in a galaxy far, far away. Gotcha. That is not where I personally would draw the line. So I think that is where my opinion differs. Interesting. That is usually where I draw the line just because that's how publishers draw the line. Okay. I'm not a publisher. I'm just a human. I'm not either. I am also just a human and I'm just an English teacher. I just read a lot and know a lot mm-hmm. of stuff about random stuff. This but is why my I keep you story... <laughs> this is why I keep you around because you know things. Including... Uh, go ahead, because then I'll yeah. tell my story. No, you go ahead. I think I said everything I wanted to say. Tell us your story, Rachel. So the week that Project Hail Mary came out, Can she say this with a straight face? Let's find out. The answer is no. Um, Was also the week where TikTok was exploding about the series Ice Planet Barbarians. Which, if you don't know, if you don't know Ice Planet Barbarians, it is a smut series. It is not a series of books with smut. It is just smut these are not books that you should read to your children or most people maybe maybe you should just read them on your own and if you do decide to read them please look up trigger warnings especially for the first one uh because it is there's some stuff that happens in there and i'm not going to go into it but they became so popular that they surpassed project hail mary on the like kindle sci-fi section (laughs) (laughs) the week that project hail mary came out it was like one of the most anticipated sci-fi books of the year and it was surpassed by ice planet barbarians that first week its debut week kills me every time (laughs) that's incredible that's the power of social media right there 100% frankly terrifying if you ask me but whatever and that's that's hardly even social media that is just book talk for the most Mm -hmm. part so like way to go book talk also can I just ask I I don't want to go too into detail about this but like why was the ice book whatever ice planet barbarians book trending like was it just because people thought it was a good good maybe a loose term here if like some popular like book talk person, TikTok person 
was talking about it or it just like one person made a video and then people started reading it and it's one of those books that like has a super weird premise and you're like I just need to read this Mm -hmm. like I just need to read this um so then like one person read it talked about it on book talk and then another person read it and then another person read it and then another person read it and I saw it so much that I was finally like fine I'll read it and that was the weekend you came down to visit I did not read it in case anybody was wondering. That's why I have so many questions. (laughs) So the next category. Why don't you introduce uh, this one, Rachel? I feel like, again, we don't have too many opinions about it, but the opinions we do have are strong. Mm -hmm. Because it's best horror. And the winner was the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix. Yeah. So for context, Rachel and I both read um, another, a different Grady Hendrix book, um, which was The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. It's a long title, so I have to remember all the words, Um, which was published, I think, last year in 2020. I think so. So we read that book this year, and neither of us really liked it for a lot of the same reasons some different reasons. I typically don't read horror. I don't, Rachel, you don't either, right? I do not particularly like horror. It's not, it's just not my jam. I've got other things I'd rather do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I ended up picking up the book club book because I was like, oh, it's about like Southern housewives in a book club and it says they're going to be slaying vampires. And I think that sounds pretty cool. Um, It was not. (laughs) And for the record, there's only one vampire. There's only one character. Vampire. So first of all, the title is just so inaccurate. Incredible. There are misleading. not vampires. There is a, There's vampire. a vampire. And he's not even called a vampire. And it could just be me. It could just be me. But I don't want to know who the bad guy is like a quarter of the way through the book. Yeah. Also, it was nominated in 2020 and it came in third place. Uh, Well, so uh, I I don't know. How much do I want to say? I think that there are points, there are deeper points in the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires that are there, but they fall flat due to the fact that a lot of the horror in that book, I I can only speak for that book because that's the only one I've read. Mm -hmm. A lot of the horror in that book tends to come about through the victimization of women and girls. And And children, just like children, period. Yeah, and children and people of color. Yeah. So... And I think there, I think there may be a point that Hendrix is trying to make that, like, I, I think there's a point in the book that the that the monsters that you should be concerned about aren't necessarily the obvious ones. They're often more subtle ones. But I think that point gets lost in the fact that all of the horror is comes about because it victimizes the most vulnerable people in the community, and. Yep. It was very hard to read at times. And so I don't know much about the final girl support group, 
but I fear that there may be a pattern in his writing where I, I don't like seeing, I, I feel like we as a society have moved past, moved past the need to create cheap horror based on violence against vulnerable people like women and children and people of color. Mm-hmm. So I would not have picked Brady Hendricks for this category solely based on that. But again, I did also did not read the final girl support group. And I did not read anything else in this category. Indeed. And I don't think we have anything else to say about that other than we don't eh. like Grady Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. So the next category on the thing, <laughs> moving from <laughs> horror to humor, which almost sounds similar, except they're not. Um, so the winner for the humor category was Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson. I personally did not have an opinion about this. I generally don't read humor books. I, mm-hmm. I have a couple times, but yeah. Do you have anything to say about this? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. So the next category is nonfiction. And I can only speak for myself, but I don't tend to read a lot of nonfiction. That's actually one of my reading goals for this year is to read more nonfiction. So I have zero opinions about this category. Yeah. And the winner for this category was The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, which is a collection of essays um, that originated, I think somebody else told me this and I can't entirely remember. I think they originated as a podcast or it is based on a podcast that he's done. And these were collected into a book format and some were new or rewritten or things like that. But anyway, Um, I also- Go ahead. Something I just saw, which I was kind of surprised by. This is only his second Goodreads Choice Awards win. Really? Yeah. So it's the last sentence of the like bio for the book. And it says, this is Green's second GCA win. His first was in 2012 for The Fault in Our Stars. That is actually kind of surprising. Yeah. But I also don't know if I can think of any other books that got as much buzz as The Fallen Our Stars did of his. I would maybe argue Paper Towns just because it was also turned into a movie. That's but true. I think that's the only one I can really argue. Yeah. I mean, Turtles All the Way Down seemed to get some good publicity, but like not as much, never. Not nearly as much. No, ne- not nearly as much as The Fallen Our Stars. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, I actually do think I did read the Anthropocene reviewed um, this year. I listened to it as an audiobook. The waitlist was like 300 years long, but I eventually got it um, through my library. I actually think it was a good pick. Um, so I once took a class on nonfiction and like non like personal essay writing um, mm-hmm. and I really struggled with the class. I had a hard time grasping how to present personal narrative and like factual information in a interesting manner. And -hmm. like a couple chapters or sections into this book, I like it, I, I just like totally got it all of a sudden. I was like, wait, this is what they were trying to teach me that I just could not learn through whatever books that we were reading to learn that. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think it was entirely my fault that I didn't understand, but like reading this book, I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually do think this is a good pick for this category, but I'm also very interested in Coltish by Amanda Montel, um, which I actually, I, I really don't know much about, but it's about cults and like cult behavior, which is a very darkly fascinating topic to me. So it's on my TBR, but that would be the only other book that I that really stuck out to me in this category. The one that I thought was really funny too, which I think this speaks to who we are as people. Um, <laughs> I thought that Fuzz, When Nature Breaks the Law by Mary Roach also looked interesting. Hmm. Um, and I also thought it was funny that a woman whose last name is Roach wrote a book about nature. <laughs> I'm not making fun of her because I do really want to read this book but I I found that to be a little ironic mm-hmm. I also did just think of this I've been having um I've been in a one-sided battle with Microsoft lately because I'm tired of how expensive their software is so I'm very glad to see that Bill Gates did not win this category <laughs> I'm sure he's a fine human but his software is freaking expensive and now we're moving on to memoir and autobiography the winner yep. of this category was Crying in H Mart by Michelle. Oh, goodness. Michelle Zoner? Zoner? I don't know. I don't know. And I hope that she will forgive me if I'm pronouncing her name wrong. I should have looked these up ahead of time and I did not because I forgot. Um, I really don't have any opinions on this category. I generally don't really. <laughs> This is going to sound horrible. I don't read a lot of memoir and autobiography because there aren't a lot of people, like famous people that I am that interested in knowing that much about. The only one that I've cared about recently was the Alex Trebek book that came out last year. Mm -hmm. And it was nominated last year, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I was pleasantly surprised by that. It did not win, but it was nominated. That's good. I would actually be interested in picking that up. That sounds interesting. Um, It starts out with Alex Trebek swearing, and that brings me a lot of joy. (laughs) Good for him. He deserves it. There's been a couple times, so I know, Rachel, you're an avid Jeopardy watcher. So much Jeopardy. And we used to watch it a lot as a family when I was still living with my with my family I guess (laughs) um and there were a couple times where like you're watching it's like you can tell that he's trying he's thinking like Alex Trebek is thinking really hard about what he's about to say here you can tell he's holding back Mm -hmm. so (laughs) good for him I'm glad he found an outlet (laughs) yes for sure but yeah that is a book I would be interested in reading but most other like I don't want to sound like I don't care about other people, but I'm also just not that interested. Do you want to know a fun fact about me that is so oddly specific that nobody else is going to care about it? Sure. I love reading garden memoirs. Wait, what do you mean by a garden memoir? So it's it's a book about people, right? But it's mm-hmm. about them and their development of their garden spaces. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So like, what would be a garden memoir that you like? Uh, Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver was the first one I read and I loved it. 
Like I have read it multiple times since then. And the $64 tomato, which I have no idea who it's by. I just really loved it. Um, I have feelings about garden memoirs. (laughs) The $64 tomato. Hold on. We're going to look this up because I want to. The $64 tomato by William Alexander. There you go. Both of which I originally read in high school. That is fascinating. Mm -hmm. In case you were not convinced that I'm a weird cookie. Eh, we're all weird cookies here. (laughs) Do you want to talk about our next category? Sure. It's another one that I don't think we have a ton of opinions on. Uh, which is best history and biography. The winner was Empire of Pain, the secret history of the Sackler dynasty by Patrick Radden Keefe. I have nothing to say. Just to show you (laughs) how much I don't know about this um, category. I have no idea what they mean by the Sackler dynasty. Uh, Agreed. So I'm sure it is very interesting. I just don't read a lot in this category. I do every so often, but not often enough to really have a strong opinion. I did add two books from the nominated list to my TBR, but they were not on there before this. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I do think the Doctor's Blackwell looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And that was really the only one that caught my eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you ready for the next one? The next one is a bit (laughs) of a doozy. Um, So the next category is graphic novels and comics. The winner of this category was Lore Olympus by Rachel Smith. Um, And I feel like I just want to clarify, and Rachel, you can correct me if I'm wrong. So Lore Olympus is a webcomic that has Mm -hmm. been published serially, like one chapter a week um, through the platform Webtoon. Um, It comes out on Sunday nights. No, Saturday nights. Saturday nights is when it yes, releases it is Saturday each week. Nights. You're right. Yeah, because Sunday nights I know is because I funny. follow them. <laughs> I follow them too, and I always just ignore the notifications. I always told myself I would read it someday, but I haven't yet. Um, I got confused because the one series that I follow comes out on Sunday nights. And I was like, wait. Um, anyway, so Laura Olympus is a webcomic, but they just published some selection. I don't know if it was the first season or the first hundred chapters or something like that. I didn't pay attention into a physical. It was the first season. Yeah. And by season, it's like the way that Webtoon works, your chat, your story is divided into episodes and seasons. So each episode is like a chapter. A season is like a chunk of chapters. (laughs) I got an answer for you. Oh, tell me. The volume collects episodes one to 25 of the Webtoons comic. Okay. So there you have it. They were published into a physical book format, which is a pretty big deal for a webcomic to be published physically. Indeed. Um, Would you like to go on your little rant about it? Oh, are we doing that? Or do you want to talk about our um, other picks first? I was going to stall for a second so I could figure out uh, how far into the story it got. (laughs) Okay, I'll just talk a little bit. So as I already said, I haven't read Lore Olympus yet. I don't know if I will someday. I have some hesitations about the story itself. Um, But 
ignoring those for a second, what I wasn't, what kind of made me uncomfortable about this category was, so the way that Webtoon, at least, the way that Webtoon works as a platform is you can read pretty much everything on there for free, as far as I know. Um, it's ad-supported, or you can buy tokens to read chapters early. So, mm -hmm. like, if I just read chapter 24, and I really wanted to read chapter 25, but I didn't want to wait a whole week for it, I could pay money to read it early, to access, like, an early, or get, like, early access into it. So that's the way Webtoon works, which is in a lot of ways great because it means that web comics are easily accessible by a large audience. Um, and Lore Olympus is certainly one of the most popular um, on that platform. For sure. I, it is, if not the most popular, it is definitely the one of them. Um, what, so all that to say, what, what kind of bothered me about this category was the reason I think that what often contributed to the success of Lore Olympus winning this category is the fact that you did not necessarily have to buy or even borrow from your life. Like it already had a built-in fan base yes. because all of these chapters are already accessible for free on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I don't say that to disqualify the author and the artist's work because it's beautiful work because it looks I mean from what I've seen of the webcomic it looks gorgeous and I don't think it just kind of feels like well of course they would win because everybody has read this whereas opposed to like I'll just you know opposed to a lot of the other nominees in the category they have only been published in a physical format and unless you are unless you either have the money to buy that book or you happen to live in a library system that has a lot of graphic novels where like, let's be honest, most libraries don't have a really robust graphic novel selection. Some do yeah. a lot, there are plenty that do, but I think most don't. <laughs> Which again mm -hmm. is probably, which is why platforms like Webtoon are really good to have because it means that webcomics and graphic novels are much more easily accessible. Which we uh, want easy accessibility. Yes. But it just feels weird to me that a webcomic one, I know it's a physical book, but it just, something about it doesn't sit great with me, but I also like. It felt like an unfair advantage because it has more accessibility. Yes. And we want that ease of accessibility for all of the options. Mm -hmm. I also just finished my quick little research on Lore Olympus. Mm -hmm. And episode 25, I'm not going to spoil anything, but episode 25, I felt like was a weird place to cut it. Mm -hmm. um, because it's still very much early in the exposition phase of the story that's what I when you said 25 I I if I had to place a guess and again I have not read Lore Olympus but based on other web comics that I've read that have been serialized in this way that felt like very early to cut off a story there are currently 187 episodes okay I've and <laughs> oh, this is terrible I totally forgot that was like a normal length for for a 
for yeah. webtoon because the one that I read last year so I read all of Tower of God in 2020 which is about 300 some episodes maybe I think might be 200 it's a lot mm-hmm. um so I, when you said 127 I was like wait that's short and then I realized oh no that's a normal length you just read the <laughs> stuff that is absurdly long and for the record the first season was 115 episodes right because they're in the middle of season two right now isn't it correct aren't they so you got less than a quarter of the first season in this volume one Mm -hmm. Hmm. that doesn't necessarily surprise me I have to think. I just saw these on the book sh- on the shelf in the store the other day. I should have taken a closer look. Um, I just wish that there was more. Yeah, that doesn't. I do also feel like graphic novels. I mean, it, it does take like a significant amount more work to mm-hmm. create the art and how to block out a scene and everything, as opposed to just writing it. I think. I think about that one time. So. Margaret Owen tweeted once because she did like a she did like a freebie comic based on a scene from her most recent book Little Thieves and she tweeted that that scene like writing it just like as text took her like an afternoon but turning that scene into a comic that she herself like blocked out and drew and everything took several days at least yeah so, like, you know, if you compared, like, size, a graphic novel versus a quote-unquote traditional novel might seem shorter, but I think the same, if not more, work has gone into it. Yeah, and I'm, I am not discounting mm-hmm. this book. Oh, no, I know you're I, not. I am an avid reader of Laura Olympus. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no shame in that. And again... I, I'm not, I don't want to discredit any of Rachel Smith's work. Like it is beautiful mm-hmm. and I love it. It just doubled the amount of votes of the runner up. And I still felt like there were a lot of really good options on the list. Yeah. Like the Avatar, the last airbender book, like the girl from the sea, the sad ghost club, like all of those would have been. Mm-hmm. my top picks although I think I did vote for Laura Olympus because it was the only one I had actually kind of read mm-hmm. yeah when I looked at this list so there's Extraordinary by V.E. Schwab which is based on like her villains duology that's what I ended up voting for because I did read that graphic novel and I really liked it um, Vicious Vicious and Vengeful, vengeful yes. and vi- whatever Vicious and Vengeful huh I did Lots not of... know that this was kind of associated with that yeah it's sort of like an in-between the two books. I, I was I was kind of fuzzy on the timeline. It was interesting though. Um, so that so that was extraordinary by V. E. Schwab. I was also interested in um, the Sad Ghost Club, like you said, and there was another one. Um, oh, it was run by John Lewis, um, and I think that was a that was like a nonfiction graphic novel, which sounded very hmm. interesting to me at least that's what I that's what it looks like it could I could be wrong on that 
I uh, do have a bonus nominee for this category. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, my bonus nominee would have been Your Guide to Not Getting Murdered in a Quaint English Village by Maureen Johnson and Jay Cooper. Good, just, good. I, I just, I love it so much and I think it's so funny. And this would be the category it would fit under. I was going to say, wait, no. And I was like, no, that makes sense. Yeah, because it's a graphic novel. I would I know not what put I'm that in the, in the picture book category, is which is no longer book. available. We're gonna but... we're we're gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the only other thing I'd say about this category is like, well, at least the Dune graphic novel didn't win. Agreed. Again, I don't. I have not read Dune. I'm just tired of hearing people talk about Dune. I'm so tired of it. I do not agreed. I, I am having a I, I, when I first started, I was like, oh, this could be mildly interesting. And then every dude bro and whoever wanted to yell about Dune. And I was like, you know what? I've decided I don't care anymore. It was like every dude bro and their dad. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The next category is the only one where Maggie and I both agreed and we agreed with who won. And it's the, for the poetry category. The winner was The Hill We Climb, an inaugural poem for the country by Amanda Gorman, uh, kind of also published with Oprah Winfrey's forward. And yes, that's all I got yes. to say. Yeah. Yes. Good choice. <laughs> I, I am content. to complain about. It's good. I am satisfied. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there are a lot of other interesting options, but I do think that Amanda Gorman's The Hill We Climb was yeah. a satisfactory win. That is a well-deserved win. Agreed. Um, Maggie, you want to lead us into the next one? Oh, sure. Hold on. I, Unless, I, I do you have my... more to say about poetry? Nope. I do not. <laughs> I'm disappointing all of my old professors in saying that. You Sorry. and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, r- neither Rachel nor I were the strongest poets in our university. <laughs> Did I take all of the poetry classes? For Uh sure. Did I hate most of my time there? For sure. Did I produce anything worth reading? Not a chance. (laughs) Anyway, um, so the next category is debut novel, which the winner was, I don't know why I keep saying which the winner was. The winner was (laughs) The Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armas. I didn't really have much to say about this category. I, again, I would have thought like she who became the sun would have been a good choice. Um, but that was about it. Uh, I would have nominated for the wolf because that was (laughs) Hannah Witten's debut novel. And you better bet I would have voted for that one. Um, that also would have been a good choice. She Who Became the Sun, The Gilded Ones, Mm -hmm. The Lost Apothecary were all on my TBR before the nominations came out. So yeah, The Gilded Ones also looks really good. That's on my list to read soon. We ready for our first like one where I actually read something? (laughs) Yeah, this is just the warm up around. Okay. Yeah, we're getting into the, into the big, big leagues now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next category is young adult fiction. And that is mostly where 
I read, and I think I can say that that's mostly where we both read between young adult fiction and young adult fantasy. I read more fantasy than straight up fiction, but I also read more fantasy than straight up fiction. But this is where all of the YA murder mysteries go. Yeah, I've got opinions about that. So that like, kind why? of, mm. and this goes for the middle grade and children's category too, but we've got even more things to say about that later. Um, but like, why does adult fiction in quotation marks again, why does that get split up into different genres of category? Whereas young adult fiction only, you either get young adult fiction. I don't know why I'm holding up my hands to count because this is a <laughs> podcast you either get young adult fiction or young adult fantasy. And by fantasy, they mean sci-fi and fantasy or speculative fiction, depending on who you'd ask. So like, it just bothers me because you're, you end up comparing historical fiction. So this is in the fiction, young adult fiction category. You end up comparing like murder mysteries with historical fiction versus contemporary romance versus like, none of those things are the same. (laughs) Right. And that is what I found super frustrating because I had read so many of these murder mysteries or I had read the rest of the series and I was waiting for my library to get the next book in or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, hey, let's compare Concrete Rose, which is related to The Hate You Give, to like Karen M. McManus's The Cousins or Holly Jackson's As Good As Dead or Maureen Johnson's The Book in the Woods, or The Box, Box in, in the, the Woods. Woods. I corrected myself. Like, <laughs> that. those are my genres in this category, is YA mystery. And they were like, ha-ha, no. Yeah. I've said it once, and I will say it so many more times before we're ever done with this show, ever. Young adult is not a genre. <laughs> It is an age no. range that was yes. created by people to market things. Right. It is, first of all, it is such a vague definition. Like, right. It, that, that's a whole other conversation. But like, first of all, it's vague. It's also not a genre. Young adult fiction is technically like, that is like saying, I, I, I don't know, like, that is such a broad category when they put it this way. Right. They should divide it up as young adult fiction, young adult mystery and thriller. Like, we- Give us the same category as adult quote mm-hmm. unquote fiction. And there's so many books out there. It's not like they're in want of nominees. No, not at all. I this mean, heck, the look most at Book popular- Talk. Yeah, this is the most popular range for people to be, I mean- I would say it is still a very popular range for people to be writing in. Like there's young adult fiction coming yeah. out. There, There is more young adult fiction coming out than anyone could ever possibly read. And I think part of it is because it's a very accessible like age range, right? Mm-hmm. For anyone to read. Right. And that's that's part of the reason I don't always like reading adult fiction because it's not always accessible, right? Yeah. It, it takes me a I day to read. Yeah. Yeah. It takes <laughs> me a day to read most of the time. a YA book. And then sometimes it takes me four or five, six months to, not four or five, six months, but like four mm-hmm. or five, six days up to a month or two to read an adult fiction book. And I'm like, this is not enjoyable to me. Yeah. Like I have 
I am not in school anymore. I don't need to read books that I don't want to read. And you could say like, well, you're an intelligent person. Shouldn't you be reading like intelligent people books? Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I also just want to do something that's fun. You ever hear of that? You wet blankets. And like, so again, English Sorry, teacher. that wasn't very nice. <laughs> Sorry English if you're teacher, a wet blanket. <laughs> I, I have to teach the quote unquote classics. And I find it so frustrating because we will read books that I genuinely like. Like I really like Barbara King Solvers. And I realize this is the second time I'm mentioning her. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bean Trees. But that is not an accessible text to a standard 10th grader who is maybe reading at a second, third, fourth grade level. Mm-hmm. that is not accessible right we should be reading something that is more YA which still has those advanced concepts where you are struggling with different morals mm-hmm. but is at an acceptable reading level or an acceptable comprehension level for students that are struggling to read on grade level right but they're too inappropriate for the classroom mm-hmm Uh, uh, hmm. we get heated up Hmm. in this house we didn't even say what the winner for this category was (laughs) hold on we're still talking about the category itself (laughs) uh I just I had a thought that I was gonna say there like I don't know it just feels like like to to your point what you were saying it feels like a lot of times well, young adult fiction doesn't have the same deep themes as the insert classic novel here. Like that's baloney. Or it's like, yeah, you're right. This book does not objectify women. Yeah, huh, what a concept. Or yeah, you're right. This isn't written by an old white dude. Mm -hmm. I have lots of feelings. I apologize for speaking aggressively. That's okay. I I already insulted the audience, so like we can't get can't <laughs> dig the hole any deeper, can we? I mean, we could. We could. We 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 very well might. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the winner for young adult fiction was *The Firekeeper's Daughter* by Angeline. Oh goodness, this is another word. Angeline Lee. Lee? That's, That's what I would what, say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually do want to read this book. I have not gotten to it yet. It looks really interesting. I love the cover. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I'm a little mad about the unremovable sticker stuck to the front, the Reese's Book Club one. I think. Have you seen the TikToks about the Etsy stores that are making the, Mm -hmm. like the permanent stickers to go over the imaginary or the fake stickers? Yeah. I love that. I actually follow an Etsy store that does some of them, but I haven't found any others. But yeah, I think that, I think the sticker's dumb. The book looks interesting. I would actually like to read it. But if I had to pick another book from the category, I would have picked The Box in the Woods by Maureen Johnson or um, the, I don't know if I would have picked this book because I didn't read it, but Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe also sounds really interesting. And that's a historical fiction, I believe. My debate for this category as to what I voted for was between the box in the woods and the cousins. I might have liked the cousins more than I liked the box in the woods. I think that's fair. 
I think what I liked about the box in the woods was the characters. The the mystery itself was a little lackluster compared to the other truly devious books. It, it wasn't, wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but it also was harder to solve on your own. Yeah. I solved the cousin's mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fun little fact about the other murder mystery in this category, As Good as Dead by Holly Jackson is actually the third book in a series, two of which were published this year. That's so like, impressive. talk about insanity. Good for her. Yes. And I really like those books. I, again, I've talked about them, I think, a couple times at this point. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend them. I do recommend listening to them as an audiobook, though. Because they're formatted like a podcast, correct? She is recording a podcast, yeah. Very cool. Are we ready for the next category, Maggie? (sighs) I suppose we are. All right, everybody brace yourselves because the next category is young adult fantasy. And sci-fi. And oh boy, do we have feelings yet again. (laughs) (laughs) So the winner for this category was Rule of Wolves by Lee Bardugo, who, if you are unfamiliar, um, also wrote Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows, which is now a Netflix show. And we both really love the Grishaverse. Yes. I think I mentioned before, like Six of Crows is one of my favorite books. Yes. I was going to say Maggie probably more so than myself, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I still really love them, as does my sister. So we all kind of bonded over the show mm-hmm. and the books to clarify <laughs> yeah yes yes so can I can I can I talk about rule of wolves for a minute here yes so rule of wolves so here here's the way the Grisha verse works everybody is to just gather around the fire I'm gonna tell you a little tale bring so, your marshmallows <laughs> bring your bring your hot chocolate and your marshmallows um so the way the Grishaverse is, there's the Shadow and Bone trilogy, which is three books. Obviously, it's a trilogy. I don't know why I felt the need to define that. So that's the first book, Shadow and Bone. Then it's Siege and Storm, then Rune and Rising. Those three books are followed by a duology, which is Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. I'm counting on my fingers again in front of the camera, which you cannot see. Yes, but I can see it. So. Fair enough. So then it's Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. That duology is followed by another duology that focuses on one of the characters from the Grisha trilogy, who is Nikolai. Those two books are King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, which just came out in 2021. There's also some other like spinoff books, but they're not really in the continuity, so we're not going to worry about that. Okay. So Rule of Wolves is basically the final book in the Grishaverse, at least as it stands right now. There's talk of there being other books in the series. I read Rule of Wolves. There's certainly some room for other books to be added to the series. But for right now, this is like the final book. Mm -hmm. I read Rule of Wolves. I, in fact, I devoured Rule of Wolves. I really enjoyed Rule of Wolves when I read it. And then I turned my brain back on. And I realized this book is not as good as it, as I thought it was. (laughs) Is it, what, did I have a great time reading it? Absolutely. I would even go as far to say as someday I may read it again. If I, I would not read it on its own, but I would read it like in the course of a series. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to read all the Grishaverse books again. 
I really enjoyed it. I love the characters in the Grisha verse so much. I love the world building and everything. The plot was kind of unsatisfactory. <laughs> like it was nothing. Rule of Wolves taken as in as a book of its own and not as part of this massive and frankly impressive world is kind of marginal at best. <laughs> um there were a lot of things about the ending of the book that I found to be unsatisfying and in some ways maybe even problematic, but I'm also not the person to make that judgment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything about the duology, just, but, so when I saw that this one, I was like, well, duh, of course, like <laughs> it's Lee Bardugo. Yeah. Shadow and Bone came out this year. Like Ben Barnes posted a picture of him holding up the books. I'm sure everybody went and flocked to the bookstores to get the book that Ben Barnes, what's the word I'm looking for? Vouched for? Endorsed it. Endorsed, thank you. So like, of course it won, but at the same time, I was skimming through the list of other finalists and even all the other like nominees before it got narrowed down to finalists there were so many books that I thought were more deserving of the win than Rule of Wolves. Something else I want to point out, because we talked about this beforehand, was Mm -hmm. the number of these books that are sequels. Absolutely. So unless you had read their first, second, or third book in previous years, this year, previous reads... Mm-hmm. You might not have read any of these books, including Rule of Wolves. Um, I think including the Cassandra Clare nominee. Yes, that's uh, too. Um, the How the King of Elfham Learned to Hate Stories is technically a sequel. Our Violent Ends is a sequel. Sky Beyond the Storm is a sequel. Um, you forgot them. Um, anyway, the Wind Blows, the Rainbow Rowell book, that's a sequel. Anyway, the Wind Blows, Namesake. We Free the Stars, Gods and Monsters, A Vow So Bold and Deadly. Like, so many of these books were so that's sequels. that's 10 books, at least off the top of our heads, that we know are sequels. So, like, uh. And I don't think, I don't think, I don't want to say, like, oh, sequels and par- books that are part of a series should be banned from the Goodreads Choice Awards. I mean... I don't think that should be the case, but I also was kind of looking at this and it just, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of work to keep up with this. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of frustrating. It feels, it also (laughs) just, go ahead. I was gonna say, that being said, I did vote for a sequel in this category. Mm -hmm. I haven't read any of these sequels because none okay that's not true I did I have not read Our Violent Ends yet but I have read these Violent Delights mm-hmm. I had not I did not have Our Violent Ends by the time the nominations were I did not have it in hand so you know. I am still surprised that that got nominated and I would not be surprised if it was nominated before it was in a majority of people's yeah. hands yeah that I think that would have ranked higher if it had come out earlier because it came out very close like actually I'm gonna find out because I want to make sure I get the date right 
It came out like November something. November 16th was when it was published. And I didn't get mine until like the end of November. So like I I had pre-ordered it and it did not arrive until like the end of November. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, by that time, like voting was basically over. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, whatever. That's kind of, that, that was kind of a shame. Um, it just feels like a lot of work to keep up with young adult fantasy. Yes, and it like, shouldn't be. It should not be. I'm like, I do this for fun. This is not my job. I'm not getting paid for this. Unless I'm really that interested in a series. I... Unless there's somewhere someone out there that wants to pay us to do this for a living. Just yeah. saying. That, that's that, that's a good point. If somebody wants to <laughs> sponsor us to read books for a living, like I would not complain. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised to see how high up the list, and by high up the list, I mean it came in fifth. How the King of Elfheim learned to hate stories because I did really like the Cruel Prince series, and this is the main love interest story kind of Mm. before, during, and then after the events of the Cruel Prince in that series. I really like it. And go ahead. It's just a beautiful book. It has images in it and it is gorgeous. Yeah. I was was just going to ask you, I think you told me it was illustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, The book that I voted for in this category was The Ones We're Meant to Find. Um, which I talked about in our, in one of our earlier episodes, I believe it was one of my top books of 2021. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that it was a finalist. I think it deserves that. I wish it was a little higher. It was like the second to last in the category, but I do think that was a good book. I Um, also wish Realm Breaker were higher. I haven't read it yet, but mm -hmm. I, I wish it were higher. Yeah. I just, I'm sorry, every time I look at the cover for Iron Widow, I just want to read it. It looks so good. I and didn't you just, day. I was gonna I say, did. didn't you just buy it? <laughs> okay, so I have rules for buying books now because I used to buy too many books and I would never read them and then I would read them and I would hate them. So I told myself, you're not allowed to buy brand new books unless it's by an author you've already read and enjoyed or if it's a book you've already read and enjoyed. Except then Barnes and Noble had a 50% off all their hardcovers sale. (laughs) And so I went and I did buy Iron Widow. I bought another book. What was the other book that I bought? You bought One of Us is Lying. I bought One of Us is Lying and I bought A Snake Falls to Earth. That was, that's what I couldn't remember. So I did buy Iron Widow because I was like, it was like 10 bucks for a hardcover. And I was like, well, worst comes to worst. I'll give it to somebody or like I can resell it, but I'm yeah. glad that I picked that up. And uh, I also went to that sale at my Barnes and Noble and I picked up Realm Breaker. Good. So we both made good choices. Indeed. I'm sorry if you're hearing this later and you're like, wait, why didn't I know about the 50% off sale at Barnes and Noble? Well, it was literally the two days after Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Also don't think they publicized it beforehand. They did not. I heard about it from TikTok mm-hmm. and Facebook. When I was at the store, now I don't know if they were necessarily talking about the sale that was going on, 
But when I was at the store, there were a lot of employees going around and like restocking shelves throughout the day. And I heard one say to the other, like, I didn't know we were doing this today. And the other mm-hmm. person said, oh, we didn't, we didn't really announce it. So I don't know if yeah. they were talking about the sale or something else, but yeah, I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> hey, Maggie. Hey, Rachel. Are we ready for the last category? I think we're ready for the last category. And this last category, category, this last category, we also have a lot of feelings about, but Maggie, mm-hmm. would you like to introduce it for us today? The final category is middle grade and children's. First of all, those should be very different categories. Those, are, those should be separate categories. In fact, we were talking earlier, there used to be a picture books category. Um, Which we also argued was still different than children's books. Yes. I think there should be a, at least a middle grade, and a, a middle grade. Hold on. There should be a middle grade, a children's, and a picture books category, all as three separate categories. And I agree. <sighs> the winner. You want to list the winner? Of this category. <laughs> the reigning champion of this category since I think the Goodreads Choice Awards began. It, you introduce the title and then I'm going to read a sentence. Okay. Is Daughter of the Deep. Bonus trivia from the little summary of the book. This is Riordan's 11th consecutive victory in this category. Yeah. So Rick Riordan has been winning the middle grade and children's category since the Goodreads Choice Awards began, as far as we can tell. And I just want to say that we are both huge Rick Riordan fans. Yeah, I think we discussed this at length earlier. Like, love Percy Jackson. Love those books. They are so dear to my heart in ways. And I I, love the Kane Chronicles. Yeah. In ways that I just cannot express. It is concerning that he's winning this category every year. Yes. And this year alone... He wrote Daughter of the Deep, which is what won. Mm-hmm. But he, with his Rick Riordan Presents, was associated with three other books in this category. Yeah, and those were, I cannot remember. I'm, I'm skimming the nominees again. or the Arusha again. and the City of Gold, City of the Plague God, mm-hmm. and The Last Fallen Star. Right. So for those who aren't as into the Rick Riordan, I, I don't really want to say lore, but like those who don't follow Rick Riordan. So basically, I remember when I was growing up, people would always say to him, like people would tweet at him when he was much more active on social media and would say things like, oh, can you write a, a series with like Aztec mythology? Or can you write a series with like insert other mythology here? Because pe- mm-hmm. because middle schoolers wanted those mythology stories about the cultures that they grew up in, or even just about other cultures that they weren't as familiar with. Yep. And I think, and what I think ended up being a good choice was they started this imprint, Rick Riordan Presents, which finds, I'm, I'm going to do a poor job of expressing this. 
but it brings in other authors to write mythology stories about their own cultures. Which I just want to say we 100% wholeheartedly agree with and support. I mean, like, I like that far better than another old white guy, no offense, Rick, um, than another old white guy writing, you know, writing stories that really he doesn't have much claim to. (laughs) Yes. Or any claim to. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't feel like there's an opportunity for other authors to break in. Yes. Because, like, I was really really interested in Amari and the Knight Brothers so I was glad that it came in fourth but I wish that it had ranked higher Mm -hmm. I totally did not hear about this until very recently I almost bought it at the store yesterday actually for Amari and the Knight Brothers Mm -hmm. this was another book that was super like pushed at my Barnes and Noble interesting yeah huh so I want to read that. I also want to read Beasts and Beauty. Um, and then I also really want to read Ophie's Ghosts. I always want to say Orpheus Ghosts, and that's not correct. <laughs> Orpheus? Well, yeah, that's where I get tripped up. <laughs> um, I was also really pleased to see Ground Zero, which is Alan Grant's, and he also wrote Refugee, which was a text that we use for our ninth graders um, who are struggling readers. Hmm. Okay, why am I blind and I can't find Ground Zero on the list? It is oh, the I second found it. row. I found it. I'm done. <laughs> oh, um, I thought I recognized this author's name. I haven't read this book, but um, Beasts and Beauty is the same author who did series I think it was called school for good and evil or something like that oh yeah yeah yeah. I started to read the first book when I was much younger and I didn't really enjoy it so I never finished it but I I know those are very popular so that's kind of interesting I I I just want to see more authors represented by the best in middle grade and children's because there are so many more books than just Rick Riordan Mm mm-hmm I think that kind of sums up how we feel about a lot of these winners. Like, again, it's obviously a popularity contest. We've talked about that at length. I've expressed this to a couple of people in a number of ways in talking about this. And I think I've said this to you before, Rachel, but it feels like for all of the book community's talk about wanting to try new things and encourage new authors and- And diversify. And diversify their reading- it doesn't really show in the books that are essentially the most popular of the year. And it honestly, it's really discouraging for writers who want to break into these scenes to continually Mm -hmm. see the same single two, three authors winning the same categories year after year. Yeah. If I was coming into this and I saw Rick Riordan winning for 11 consecutive years I would not want to write middle grade no not because at how all. am I supposed to compare it to that and I and you should say like well you shouldn't compare yourself to other people just because I shouldn't do it doesn't mean I don't do it that's and just because I'm not comparing myself to him doesn't mean other people aren't comparing me to him yeah 
And I'm not saying I'm anything like Rick Riordan. I'm using that as a, don't compare yourself to other people. I might not, but other people might. Mm -hmm. Even seeing one of those Rick Riordan Presents books win this category would be a nice change of pace. Agreed. But I also just think it would be nice to see, I don't know. I don't think it was intentional, but it does kind of feel like Rick Riordan has a bit of a stranglehold on the middle grade category. Yeah. But again, we are big fans of Rick Riordan. And again, so it could be worse. Yes. We very much love tearing apart the Goodreads Choice Awards this year. That's half the fun. <laughs> and uh, you can definitely look forward to this being another episode next year with the 2022 Goodreads Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, this this was a lot of fun. Even <laughs> if I got angry a couple times, but you know. It, it, hey, at it least we got angry together. We got angry together. It's mm-hmm. all good. Would you like to highlight what our next episode is? Do you know what our next episode is? <laughs> Rachel, I must make a confession. I have no idea what our next episode is. Okay. So uh, let me um let me put on my professional podcasting voice again. Yes, please do. So on our next episode, we will finally be getting to the moment you've all been waiting for, where we will actually talk about a single book at a time, hopefully, maybe. Um, Ish. So, (laughs) ish, ish. (laughs) So we're actually going to move into going through some duologies together. Um, And the first duology we are going to look at is One of Us is Lying and One of Us is Next, which are both by Karen M. McManus. McManus, right? Yep. Did I say her name right? Okay. Yes. Um, So in this case, Rachel is the book expert because she is much more the mystery reader. Um, She is still in the middle of rereading One of Us is Lying. So we'll we'll get to that episode eventually. I will probably finish the book today. Oh, good. Yeah. So that'll that'll be our next episode. You can look forward to us talking about that and mysteries and all kinds of good stuff. So, and I would like to put the caveat out there. I know that one of us is lying is getting a third book. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. At the current moment and for the last year, it has been a duology. So we are claiming it as a duology for right now. And we will be talking about it on our next episode. Yeah, We're treating it as a duology. And I also think it works well as a duology, Mm -hmm. at least at the moment. Again, third book's coming out. Don't know what it's about, but we'll deal with that another time. It's titled One of Us is Back. So dun, dun, dun. Maybe we'll talk about that when we talk about the second books. We can toss out some theories about what the third book might be. For sure. I'm 100% for that. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't want to miss those episodes. So make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcaster app. We should be everywhere now, but if we're missing somewhere, uh, feel free to let us know and we can see about making sure that we get onto your favorite podcast app. You can also connect with us on Twitter at book expert pod. Um, same for Instagram book expert pod, all one word. Um, or again, old school email us at not the book expert at gmail.com. Yeah, I think that's it. That's that's, you know, where to find us. Indeed. And if you send us an email, tweet at us, leave us a comment or a DM on Instagram 
uh, you will get one or both of us in response. Mm -hmm. You will hear from us. Yes. So Maggie, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners today? Sure. Thanks for listening to us talk about the Goodreads Choice Awards and we will see you or you will hear from us next time. So, (laughs) I think I've had too much tea.